Thanks for joining us. I'm the host, Quill Jackson, and you're tuning in to Athletes Unplugged. Today's guest is probably the hardest working individual I've ever been around. He was the 20th overall pick in the 2006 NFL Draft to the Kansas City Chiefs. He went on to play 12 NFL seasons, and along that 12 years, he was able to make five straight Pro Bowls and also amass a total of 89 and a half sacks, coming second only to the late great Hall of Famer. Derek Thomas. So with no further ado, please welcome in my good buddy, Tom Bali. Tom, what's going on, bro? How you doing? Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Well, that was that was great, man. Thanks. All of the things you're talking about, that ain't me. That's the football player. I hope I hope you, oh, you yeah. tell these people. <laughs> I was I was waiting. I was waiting to hold the good stuff at the end so they we can we can keep them listening and paying attention. But uh yeah. before we before we get into all the good stuff, because obviously a lot of people associate both of us, more so you, because you were so great at it at playing football, but you have a whole nother side of you that I want to dive into. And that was the purpose of creating this platform of athletes unplugged, uh, to dive into those things. But before we do that, I want to start at the root of it. I want to start and give the the listeners and the viewers just context of who you are as a person. And uh, I want to start in Liberia. I want to start in Liberia where, if you don't know, Tamba comes from a place that was war-torn uh, for many years, and he was able to escape to a better life. And, and we're going to dive into that further. But my question to you is, what was life like for Tamba Ali before you made the transition to the U.S.? Um, put it, it wasn't, it wasn't the regular way of uh, uh growing up you know at the age of um i'm 37 now so i, w- I came to the country when i was 10. Um, right. so in 89 1989 uh a war started in the country uh, a civil war and, and over 250,000 people lost their lives wow i was one of those my family we were one of those that were fortunate and blessed to flee the country um, let's say two, three years later, um, we ended up in the Cote d'Ivoire, <clears throat> lost, lost, lost a lot of friends, uh, family members. We were fortunate. A lot of our family members are still alive, but we were re- refugees in, uh, the Cote d'Ivoire. And, um, while we, we stayed there, we picked up French a little bit, but you know, it's not the typical life. I'm about six, seven years old and we fled the war. The war was, you know, like very devastating and i can still remember you know every the first time we was even in the battle i remember uh one of the most vivid pictures uh of when the war started was when a plane just came into the town and from a distance you can't tell what what it was because we you know we don't see planes around we're talking third world like that and we thought it was a bird because the plane engine was on and when it got closer they they turned it off. I mean, they turned it on and then started shooting us. You know, and we're just regular oh citizens. God. So yeah. So to just you know, as a kid growing up, realizing like what's going on? How come they're shooting at us? It's it's kind of like how my child is saying, Dad, what's going on? You know, how come they're right, killing black right. people in this country? Right. Um, right. So yeah, uh, my first. That, Go ahead, no, that was that 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 was uh you know I I had known. Somewhat, but I've never come out and asked you. We we've known each other. You were you were one of the first people I met in that journey to the NFL, right? And we were we were roommates at the Senior Bowl that you were the yeah, MVP we were. of, and, and so we go way back. So I remember, um, 
you know, I wasn't a big fan of flying. And this is when I really was, was, you know, both of us, we, we took a trip to Alabama and the senior bowl and all that. And there was a, you know, I was, I was nervous about flying. You were nervous about flying, but I realized like, because of that story, I didn't know that story until, you know, we had a conversation later and I, it, and it hit me. I was like, wow. You know, I, at that moment I, I had, I already had a, the utmost respect for you, but it just took it to another level. Cause I had never met anyone that had, had overcome so much at such a young age. So, yeah. uh, uh, I commend you for that. And I'm sure you're, 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 you've done so many great things and I can't wait. There's so much to talk about. So when you get to, I read someplace. I, you, you, Yeah. I, I get to New Jersey. Um, and yeah, actually yeah. we're in, we're in Cote d'Ivoire. My dad filed for us to come to the States. We got denied in the Cote d'Ivoire. We go to Ghana. Um, Ghana actually is the one that led us in the, the, the country. And we, we flew from the Cote d'Ivoire, we got to New Jersey. That's where I, I kind of started my my journey in the country. Teaneck, New Jersey. My dad's a professor at Fairleigh Dickinson University. My um, <clears throat> yeah, but he wasn't just a he was a what a chemistry teacher and teacher. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Chemistry physics, and physics, chemistry, math, computers. Yeah, I you know I do was really smart, man. He's, he's a smart wow, guy. Wow. That, yeah, that's a, that's a, a smart guy. Smart guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's a smart dude, man. So I want to, you know, I want to skip through. Obviously, we know, you know, your career at Penn State, your senior year, you were up for so many different awards. Nagurski, the the Ted Hendricks Award, the, the best DN in the country, all those good things. And, you know, you get to you get to Kansas City and I want to highlight your rookie year. There was there was uh, a date that sticks out in my mind and we've never talked about it, but it, it was a moment for me as well because I followed I followed you, you know, throughout your entire career. July 31st, 2006 was a moment that um, you were you left training camp and yeah. you were flown back to Teaneck and you were sworn in as a permanent citizen of the U.S. Man, to walk me through what was that moment like for you? Um. You know, it, it, again, it's 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 kind of it's a it's a where you know you you had so much going on and it was it was you know you had just been drafted you know twentieth overall you know you're being sworn in and, and your mother has a chance to you know a few months later to to live with you and, and and see you play for the first time. What was going through? I'm curious. Like you have to be mentally tough and mentally condition to go through all these different things because you're, you're living a new normal now yeah um i mean it, it's surreal because like I, I think i said you know you go from from fleeing gunshots to now you know walking and graduating uh becoming right. a citizen um right. you know it's, it's it's one of those things that you know that you have a higher authority that's that's kind of guiding this entire process because even to me, at times I sit and, you know, I'm a huge believer and I say to myself, I'm like, you know, what are the odds that I even get to this country, but then happen right, to right, play the, right. a sport where I never played before and, and, and right. try my best right. to excel in. So right, it, right. It's, it's strange to me that, you know, but then again, it's, it's I, I won't lie to you, Dequel, it's my faith. It's, you know, I'm, I'm right, just, right. again, and I, and I know you, you, you've lived it and you've walked it, but I don't know if enough guys tell you just how impressive that is. You know, a lot of guys, we know the guys that we've been in locker rooms with, they say they come from hard times. 
there's not hard times when you you have to when you grow up in a war torn environment. So I, I can't say that enough. I'll probably repeat myself a thousand times just reiterating just how impressive your story is. But I want to dive into, you know, when does in all of this, you know, you leave Liberia, uh, you yeah. have all these new new normals, your mother's, uh, you know, you've reunited, reunited with your mother, your father, things are going well for you. When does music come into this? When does well, I grew up in the church. <clears throat> I grew okay. up in the church. So um, throughout my life, as we were fleeing the country, I, you know, music was like, like a foundation for me. I, I grew up playing the drums. I grew up singing in the choirs. When we got to the States, I, we, we found a similar church we had in Liberia. It was called Bethel. And we grew, I grew up play, um, singing in that church, going to church on a Sunday. So I always had a genuine love for music and I actually can do it. You know, even when I write my raps, guys were, you know, like amazed, like, man, this guy can really flow rap. And, um, yeah, yeah. but I just, I just didn't fit the genre in this country. So I kind of, what age were you? Where age were you when you started writing rhymes, bro? Cause um, I've heard your music. Nine, and nine, 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 excuse me. Ninth grade. <laughs> ninth grade. Ninth grade. Yeah. So what, what, what that, were there other guys in your class that were, were rappers and all? Because I would imagine, you know, in high school, you always find that that clique of guys who can rap, rhyme, make beats, produce and all that. So and, and you were in Teaneck, New Jersey. So I can imagine that that's a melting pot of just eclectic rappers. and all type of different music. Yeah. 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 No, hmm. because I, when I got here, I gravitated to. Um, I'm listening. Bonita Apple Pong, you got to put me on. <laughs> you know, okay, LL, okay. And, yeah, yeah. So I, I grew up on that. Then my my brother, my stepbrother, left all his mixed all his tapes. So I'm listening ah. to yeah, I'm listening to Talib Kweli. Yeah, 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 yeah. For yeah. the evening, Cause my yeah, yeah, yeah. Things, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right, right. Now, did that help? Now, did that help you? You know, because I'd imagine there was some a bit of a. Um, you know, barrier for you to jump over through through just you know the language barrier. Did that help I you? I couldn't read. Mm. Mm. I couldn't read. I couldn't write. I could speak English with a with a heavy accent because I'm coming from Africa. Um, right, right. But apart from that, I couldn't read. I couldn't write. I could write by the ninth grade and read by the ninth grade. But when I first got in, um, my dad actually got the hooked on phonics. My stepmom and dad would work with us on hooked mm. on phonics. Which what was exciting about it was. We got to rhyme, you know. We got to rhyme the right, words, so it was right, that was right. That really triggered the brain a little bit. And ah, I guess okay, okay. Yeah. So that was sort of like your safe haven, all in a, in a sense, because you know that, that that transition is tough for anyone, let alone a ten year old kid. But that that's amazing. That is amazing. So so let me ask you. So when did I know you have the love for for music at this time, and you're starting to play around with the right rhymes, this and that and the other. At what point throughout your career did you say, you know what, I want to invest in this and I want to pursue it and I want to do it? Because I've, I've heard, you know, you wake up in the morning, like I follow Talib Kweli and Most Def and all these guys. And I listened to an excerpt he had recently about, you know, he was, talk, I don't, he was talking about the music industry in a whole. But one thing that stuck out to me was he said about his fans, like, listen, the people that really love my music, if you really love the music and appreciate the music, you go and make it. 
So at what point did you decide, oh, like, I'm going to make this shit. I'm going to make it happen because I, I love music. I listen to everything. If I open up my 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 uh, my music, you'll think I'm crazy. I listen to country. I'll give anything a chance. I've listened to Tumba Juice. I've listened to Love and Lights. And <laughs> I was I was running. I was running um, last week and I was listening uh-huh. to Drive You. Drive You is one of my my joints, man. I, I love that joint, man. I just love my drive you. That's one of my joints, man. And, and when you turn it on, I let wifey listen to it. She's like, oh, I like this. I'm like, you, you would have no idea who it is. There's somebody that I know. She was like, you don't know that, bro. I'm like, it's Tumba, man. And like, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, what I've heard, you know, we've heard, we've been around guys who make music and play around with it. But you've had a chance to, to work with one of the hottest producers in Nigeria in Mastercraft. How did that relation um, kind of generate? Um, again, I, I just think it's the Lord. I, 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 I usually pray for things that I want. I, mm-hmm. I'm persistent in things. And with music, it's something that I love. Uh, prior to meeting my master, um, I signed uh, Gilly the Kid. You know, Gilly has a huge yeah, yeah. million dollar worth of game now. I signed him. I signed wow. another kid named Stars. You know, I had uh, Sunny Digital, uh, Metro mm-hmm. Booming. All these wow, different producers, wow. I work with them, uh, you know, trying to figure out first the business side and then yeah, um, yeah. then try to come to the creative side because I was creative as well, but I have money. And right. I'm like, How, let me see if I can get around them. And, you know, so I, right, I kind of right. dove in it and soaked it but up it, a little it, bit. It's one thing to dive into it, but you're getting respect from these Metro booming and 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 mastercraft like that I'm, i would imagine that's not an easy you know house well, to get into it's not it, it again it's a blessing because what happened was i was i was once i was done i was now gonna do more rap and mm-hmm. i was working with some guys from philly and one of the guys his name is joel that i work with he said oh you know i, I can get you a song with flavor flavor is like the african king for mm-hmm. kind of like you know, good African music, but again, yeah, women yeah. loves his sound and his, and his right. what he's projecting. And the producer for for him most of the time is Master. So ah. Flavor did, yeah, Flavor knew I was a rapping side, but he never heard me do Afrobeat. So he said, "I'm gonna ah. send you, I'm gonna send you my producer, and you guys can work together and see what you come up with." So wow. when Master came, he's a gift, like a pure gift. Wow. So wow. it's like, again, I'm a rookie freshman trying to figure out how to put things together. And Master, all he did was orchestrate everything, make the beat, um, uh-huh. wrote all the words. He he, yeah. he included us. You know, he tells you, right. write a little here, write some here. And then right. we get into the lab. And then he he's able to basically like a choir director or like sure. a coach just coach you through how you should do this and get it done wow and we wow. just kept working working and coming up with stuff and he was amazed that i can do because i don't look like you're you're a singer uh, you know i'm i'm a big warrior you know <laughs> so it's it like, coming all shapes and sizes and packages no. but I, I you know, know i knew you were always into music but i had no idea until i i heard um the one for me you know, you the, and I saw the video, and I was like, "Damn, Tumba! Like you, you're not just playing around with this. This is for real." 
I so, love doing like, it. I, I love doing it. But again, you know, I, I don't want to push myself as if I want to bring attention to myself. I think the people that God bring around to do the music is right. to kind of enlighten others. It's not to kind of put us in a place where people are going to glorify the image that they see here. But at least right, when right, they hear right. the music, they will know the type of people that are... It's a, you kind of know what kind of people they are because of how right. the, the music is put together. No doubt. I, I listen to music that makes me feel good. I listen to music that, you know, if I turn on Lil Baby and everyone else and, all, you know, there, there's moments. There's moments yeah. in my life that music plays. And uh, for the people that don't understand Afrobeat who are listening and, and tuning in, like, what is Afrobeat? Because I, I try to look it up. Is it more so the sounds from you know, Western Africa as opposed to a genre? Like, can you explain that a little bit? Well, Afrobeat, let's let's look at the history. It comes from far behind us. It's uh, Fela Koti. His name is Fela Koti. It was a huge movement going on, uh, I want to say maybe in the 70s, or, uh, the, even maybe before. And he came up with this sound back then. And now it's starting to reemerge with the modern producer. They, they are able to produce the music in the African style where it's more rhythmic, it's uh, less mm. wordy. So it's it, we're not focused too much on lyrics. It's, it's so you can right. enjoy the music right. and, and not have to, you know, focus on everything we're saying as, you know, we do here in America. So Afrobeat mm. is more easy to deal with. It's, it's this a rhythmic sound. And it's about love and lust majority of the time. Yeah, yeah, that that's beautiful, man. That that's beautiful music. That's music that I want to listen to every day. I don't know if you heard when you when you signed on, I was playing Drive You. That's my yeah, joint yeah. now, man. That that that's my joint now, man. I, and forgive me for not bringing up uh, the 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 kids, man. I remember last time we were in the room together, it was the Pro Bowl, and yeah. your beautiful daughter Sia. How's Sia doing, man? How's she doing? Yes. She's doing well. She's almost taller than my wife. She's 10 years old. <laughs> She's 10? Oh, my God. She probably runs the house right now. She's running the house. Well, she, she can't because of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> right. She's trying to, at least. Right, right. But, yeah, she, she is the oldest. And in, in over uh, our other son, Ty, he's 10. And, got it. Got it. And got it. So she, okay, you know, okay. she's more talkative. We have Tom, yeah, yeah. he's five. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So speaking of speaking of Tamba, speaking of Tamba, I, I read someplace in the excuse me if I don't say the name correctly, but the Kisi culture, is that it? Kisi. Kisi. Kisi yeah. culture. Every was it second born child from the mother from the mother is named Tamba. Is that correct. right? So you have yes. another brother that's named Tamba as well, correct? That's correct. Okay, 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 okay. Good, good, good. I, man, I when I started diving in, I was like, man. I wish I had a chance to be around Tumblr and talk about this, but I'm glad we're doing it on this platform, man. <laughs> so let me let me switch gears for a second and, and go to um, a more serious topic, man. Uh, you hear this, you know, everything that happened the last few years during the pandemic obviously it affected everyone differently. You know, uh, regional, it's, it's, it's all different. You know, I have some family that lives in North Carolina. Uh, we're here in Washington, D.C. Um, and things have been changing. The George Floyd... George Floyd incident that happened uh, in the movement within professional sports. You've seen 
figure, you know, public figure step out and 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 back Black Lives Matter and and make it and put it at the forefront, man. We play football, so we can speak about the football uh, sphere, sphere, if you will. How do you think? What do you think? What's your impression of, of how the NFL has handled things uh, in this climate where you see this huge, you know, shift of emotion of, you know what, this the, things are happening to unarmed black men and women. You know, what's your opinion about all that, that that's happened the last few years? Well, I, I mean, if we're if we're going to speak politically, I, I would say the NFL has done a great job with trying to bring everything to where the country wants to go with this vaccination and the pandemics mm -hmm. and how they handle it, especially with how, how much money they lost last year and, mm -hmm. and how things unfolded for the, the, the this country. Um, right. But it's, it's to say that we, we can see that there's chaos that's being erupted in the country. I don't think the country is bringing it on its own. I think right. from a, a distance, you can see that due to technology and its increase that we all are now subject to either lies or truth. So now that's going <laughs> to, <laughs> man, that's, yo, that is the realest shit I've heard, man. Yeah. It's simple, it's, it's simple as that. It's simple as that. And people were home during the pandemic. They weren't working. They weren't going out, spending money. So you were, we were all into these phones and listen that's and following the world. And, yeah. you know, um, you know, the NFL has, you know, I, I talk a lot, you know, my wife knows and my close net of uh, people here. We all get together, smoke a cigar, drink some Macallan, and we just saw the world's problems. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But, you know, obviously the Olympics has passed us and there was a huge um, there was a lot of talk about, you know, some uh, Simone Biles and other people in the past dealing with emotional health and yeah. and for us when we walked into the nfl it was whatever goes on in this building stays in this building my opinion about this whole this new appreciation for the athlete not only their bodies but the mental side of it yeah. what, what what's your thoughts around around that uh, around that and the mental the mental side of, a, of an athlete On, to be honest with you, can you hear me, Duquel? Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, it's it's real. Um, <clears throat> I, I can allude to it because I never speak about my story. Uh, uh, you know, mm. being in the league, we all get in trouble. I got in trouble some somehow. You know, by doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing, and that took, here. yeah, that took a toll on my mind. You know, I thought I thought about all of the negative things that I would want to do to myself because how people would view me and how people would right. talk about me. And, right. and it's not even something that's that huge of a problem in society, but that's how our culture is made. So you have to kind of walk the line. So mm -hmm. mentally we're kind of, we're kind of damaged because what we have to go through, your, your normal human being don't go through. Right. You know, the, right. the scrutiny we right. go under, people in this world don't get to, to experience. So, right. yes, uh, if you mental health for any athlete at this point, because we, we, right. we kind of forced it, or we can't say them, but within us, we want to be great. So we kind of forced the issue to do as great as we can, which right. is a battle in the mind, not really on the physical side. It's in the no mind. Doubt. No, so, doubt. no doubt. No doubt about it. I realized that point 
probably, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this, and 2009 and 2010, I had two season-ending injuries mm -hmm. to both of my pecs, left pec, right pec, back-to-back, -back. and this was 2010 as well as you know, this yeah. was the lockout year, and yes. I signed a four-year deal coming out of college, and so I was up. I hadn't, hadn't played in a year and a half, and mentally, the mental strain that it took on my body, yeah, I, I can't it was. That. I don't. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And for the people that look at us as puppets on the screen, tackling a different color jersey and all that, the shit is real. And I'll tell you what I had to do and what realized when I realized I need to start investing in the mental side of the game as well as the physical. Is I was in IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, and. Yeah. There was a guy named Trevor. Uh, he works with Russell Wilson right now, but he was at IMG Academy at that moment. And he was always around the workouts, right? And yeah. he he befriended a lot of us. He, was, he wasn't being too pushy. And I finally had a conversation with him. And he was like, hey, you know, won't you come to my office? You know, we let's talk. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I started asking people, like, who is this guy? Like, is he like what? So he was a sports psychiatrist, but okay. he didn't identify as that. And yeah. I'll never forget i never forget the first time I walked in his office, Tomba, it was like everything that I knew I should be doing, but I didn't know how to verbalize it. And he made a, system, a process of it. And we literally got on the chalk, a dry eraser board and he asked me what I wanted. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? What do I want? Mm -hmm. And what do you want? And we wrote out everything. We made this pyramid scheme of what I wanted. And at the top, at the time, the most important thing for me was And I kid you not, a year or two later, I still keep it. I still keep that laminate. Um, and anywhere I go, it was of the diagram that we created to get to uh, that five year X amount of dollars a year. It was damn near, um, um, you know, spot on. So mm -hmm. at that moment, I realized we all train our bodies. At that moment, I realized, like, man, the mental side is the edge and so that, that in that moment i've been on this quest to try to find because a lot of guys and i know i'm talking a lot and a lot of guys like us man and this is one of the reasons i wanted to create this platform is hell i need to pick up the phone and call tom i need to pick up the phone and call the guys i used to play with because we never know what any of us are going through because we're we we're, we're from that old school era where we tough take care of everything I, yeah it's tough love man so uh that's my experience with it and i don't know necessarily where you fall in that line but i know you've always been a extremely smart guy inquisitive guy uh yeah i mean everything you say i can second on because the reality as a player we don't get to say what we want to do we don't we don't have a say we we get in there they say oh the bus leaves at this time we all are on the bus oh when you get there here are the meetings we're all there if you have issues right. it shouldn't arise at those times especially not when you're in that building like that, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like if we know injuries and then we know hurts. Like if you're hurting, you need <laughs> right, to keep right. that hurt to yourself. We know you can play right. on Sunday. So right, like, right. you know, everything it, it, again, if we look deep in it, we're all I'm appreciative of the NFL. I'm appreciative of the game. No I, I love what it did for me. No but doubt. if you check the history, you will know that. This is not a normal idea. This is <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We basically put our bodies in a blender week in and week out for yeah. years at a time. So uh, let's switch gears, man. That was a little serious. Let, let's lighten it up. I want to. I want to dive into any 
Uh, what you're into now from the music side of things, man? Um, any new projects on the horizon that you're you're working on that you can talk about? Yeah, um, I've uh, we've worked on a few different different things lately. Um, I spoke with Master because we can't be in person with one another. I would love to get down to him in Nigeria, as if right. my wife, you know, is okay with <laughs> all of that. I don't think she's mm -hmm. gonna cool with me leaving yeah, her yeah. at this time. <laughs> so we're gonna do a project. Mm -hmm. um, from a distance, but uh, he, I was talking to another producer and I, and I spoke with Master about it. We we are in a place that we need to be able to uh, deliver music that will be um, um, in a way you can worship God with unconsciously, mm -hmm. the same way that the mm -hmm. world is worshiping whatever you know they're doing in the music. Right. We right. want to create a way for you to still be able to worship God with out even knowing that this is about god this is about mm. another uh, uh, the highest in the highest so we're trying to bring this kind of idea into the world because yeah yeah really yeah just, yeah we feel like it's saturated everybody has the same story in the rap right, uh, right, now right. we afrobeat we all loving um so it's <laughs> <laughs> right, right. so we want to look at it and say but the reason we're we're different is because we can still do this thing but do it in a way that again it's not really about us but when you right. listen to the music you will you would dive into it and before you know it you'll start picking up the wording and say whoa these people are really talking about something yeah. higher than themselves right so right you want to make a gospel kind of but not a gospel feel that you're used sure to. yeah sure to, to sure push into the market a gospel message but you able to enjoy and listen to it with your top down music you know the, the windows mm -hmm. down in your car and everyone can listen to it no i feel that i feel that if so, i being ridiculed if i being right like, oh you know like Oh God, or oh Jesus, Jesus is in all of us. So we want we want to bring it in a way that you will receive it and know that this is not a, a secular song. This is a universal right. song. This is something that Got it. that everyone can you know be lifted in. That's a, that's amazing. And um, before I, I switch to talk to something else, I, I I cannot not talk about this. Before the pandemic, mm -hmm. you were on a tour. Is that right? Yeah, I started you on a tour. What was it? The Cranberry Vampire Tour? Yeah. I saw a clip. Yeah, I saw a clip of you in Iowa and it was dope, man. It was like you were, it was like the whole setup as you, you know, wifey calls you and as you're walking on stage, like I was glued in, bro. I was hooked. <laughs> and uh, the production was off the charts, man. But I, I know it, it got halted because of the pandemic and all that. But what was your plan? How many cities were you planning on going to? And like, that was what, the sixth? Night six, I yeah. think I believe it was. Man, you yeah, were yeah. following, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, um, man. I gotta support my guys, man. <laughs> the thing we would I, I only signed up for like 15 shows. And nice. for some reason, we started to do kind of really we started we actually it started to do well. I won't lie to you. I, I bring <laughs> yeah. my guys on. Our mm -hmm. act was the best act each night because it was no very way. organic. It had mm -hmm. nothing to do with I. It had more to do with, you know, fellowshipping with the people. Right. You could so feel that. Every time I put the music on, everyone would be like, this is not what we expected. So they would draw closer. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's so amazing, we have an man. amazing night. And then, you know, as time went on, we were realizing we're only on set for 15 minutes, man. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like we was about to go all the way 15 hours away and then start doing the tour all the way down. And I was like, you know what? Right now, we ain't going to do that. We did six shows and yeah. we don't know what's about to happen. Let's let's regroup. Mm -hmm. Let's look at the financing, how much I'm putting into this. And let's kind of right. see what we want to get out of it. Right. You know, that that was kind of like testing the market. It's out there. It's just, you know, I, again, I, I got drained a little bit. I'm like, man, I did this for yes. 20 years. I was on the road for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's great music, man. I, I suggest anyone that's that's listening or watching, go download Tumba Juice and Love and Lights. I'm telling you, it will brighten your day. It's, it's feel-good music. Tom, yeah. you're on there. You know, I don't know what you call it. It's rapping, singing. It's a little bit of both. It's, yeah. However you bring it together, it feels good. It feels good. It really does. So um, I also picked up, were, were you doing anything? I think I read someplace that you were uh, focused on, you know, bringing uh, a school, possibly building a school, right? back to yes. Liberia and, and focusing on the education system back home. Yeah, you know, I traveled back to Liberia. I was doing that maybe every two, three months going back home, you know, buying land, trying to put a, a building down so I can open up a STEM program. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. I, I was trying to raise money here, but I was still just going to use my own money and just buy these right. computers and, um, and have these kids going through a curriculum that's already set up here. So we, we can wow. kind of monitor them from maybe six, seven years old to me. Uh, let's say when I got in high school, I was 13, 14. See how yeah. they do if they're on the same track as the kids here. Mm -hmm. and then, you know, see what we will do after that if they are. Um, we didn't have a plan for after that. Pandemic again halted it because I have to be there. I can't send money to strangers. I just have to be there. Yeah, so I, I've had one of my good buddies, Madhu Williams, I had him on the show as well. He's from Sierra Leone. Yeah. And during that time I spoke about earlier in 2009, 2010, mentally, I was just all out of whack uh, and I was physically hurt. Yeah. And uh, I actually he actually called me up. He was like, hey, I want you to come to Sierra Leone. And my first thought was like, what? I, I'm trying. I got too many problems here. It was all about me, 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 me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I, I take the trip and it's just mind blowing, man. I had the chance to see real struggle, real. It, it was it was in your face. The kids were running around and I realized it hit me like a ton of bricks, Tom, but that these little kids that I was so-called feeling sorry for had smiles on them. They were no different than a two, three year old, five year old here in the States. They just didn't know what they didn't have. And he he built a school and he's been partnered with University of Maryland. So that's the guy when we get off, I want to connect you with is Madhuway. He's been able to partnership with some folks and, and he's he's owned a school over there for last uh, over 10 years now. So that's someone I definitely will will help you connect with, man. Um, man, so this this has been great, man. So uh there's so much here. I'm I'm a huge music fan, man, and I really I know you got other things to talk about, but I, I what's your creative process? Like if you walk into it, I know you've worked with Mastercraft, but I know. And, and if it's secretive, don't you don't have to give oh, it no, out. No, 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 bro. I, I'll tell you, man, this thing is all like, do you walk into a studio and you start playing with the keyboard or or, you know, and it just kind of builds and builds and builds. And like, yeah, what's that creative I mean, process like? It's it's two. There's, there's different ways to approach it. Um, if it's a project it's thought out so if we're doing a project 
Master would sit down. I'm sitting on my side. I'm coming up with ideas, things that I'm going through. I think that I'm seeing that I'm experiencing. I'll send it to him. He'll send me what he believes how we should go about it. We also know mm -hmm. there's a market that we're playing in. So there's a if this if this is planned out. If we're just saying if I'm just hitting him up like let's do songs, then yeah. If I just walk into the studio, he can just make the beat from scratch. Even me, I, I'm I produce myself. But you walk into the studio, you got your equipment, you can make the beat from scratch. You can start humming some 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 kind of melody, start recording those sounds. And Maybe. the way it works is if you really want if you really want to hone in onto the craft is when you create the beat, now you have to create the a wor words to fit the beat, but it's sounds, right. not words. So the first right. one is melody. So we gonna I'm gonna get on the mic and and just be myself and not care about what word come out or sound. Right. I just make sounds enough so I, I right. like what I hear. And then we're gonna take those sounds that I made and place yeah. them in places that I we feel that is gonna right. it, it makes sense. Like this is the hook, this is a pre-hook, this is a verse type of way of sound. And now we add words to those sounds to bring that sound to life because it's not really about you know what I'm saying? It's not about the words. The the word yeah, serves yeah. the melody. You remember right. all these songs because you, you know, because of the melody, yeah, not the words. Right, so right, after, right. after we get those that melody, we serve the words to the sound, and it you know it comes uh, out always. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah that you 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 broke it down like a professor. <laughs> to you, it sounds very easy. To me, I'm like I don't have a creative bone. I don't have a creative. I, I just not in my head. You know, for me to go into a studio and create something from scratch, I, that's just it's mind blowing. And it's so intriguing to me, man, that, that you're able to do that. Uh, it's, it's hard and, and it's 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 hard and it's easy You need, <laughs> you need to be inspired. So that's that's hard within itself. And then, you know, anything that you do every day, it will become easy. So. That's easy if you if you know what to do on the computer. Well, yeah, and you're passionate about it. Yeah, and you're passionate about it. To be inspired is hard because the the best music are honest music, <laughs> as mm. honest as you can get. <laughs> right, right. Oh. That's amazing, man. Yeah, that is that. That's dope. So you have a, a record label, correct? And what is it called? Uh, Relume Records. It's I the, didn't want to mispronounce it. Re, re, Relume. Relume. So yeah, the, the word relume means to rekindle. It's uh, R-E-L-U-M-E. Um, so I had a label called Religion Records, but there's another Religion Records in the UK. So I, I came up with relume. I put the A between the, the M and the E for the master of rekindling, which is the one that's in the highest. So anytime we do music, we know it's coming from the highest. So it's relume records. So you... <laughs> that's amazing, man. That's amazing. I could spend all day in a in a record studio, and you, uh, obviously you have a studio at your at your house, right? I do. I have I do. A, a couple of studios down there. <laughs> so the only the only time there was a guy uh, named Leon Williams. I know he was. Uh, yeah, he was. We were teammates in Cleveland, and uh, you know we would go over his house, and he had a, a studio set up. Yeah, and yeah. I've never been in a studio. I can't put three words together. But it was like 10 of us, all rookies. And he had a closet and he had it all like soundproofed and everything. It was and it was a mic. Yeah. And I got in, talking about. 
I got in this studio, bro. It was pitch black. I had been drinking a little bit, so I was feeling good. And he put on a beat, like a down south beat. Like, I don't know what it was, bro. Yeah, I came up with a hook. That's what was then, for sure. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I came up with a hook off just, just off the top. It's and in there, I remember, man. I remember the door opening. They were looking at me like, are you serious? Bruh, and I, I try to get the like the the recording. He yeah. will not let it go, man. To this day, he will not let it go. And I I talked to all my little music friends about it. I'm like, man, you can't put nothing together. But uh, it was just a moment, man. It really was. It really was, bro. So I, I mean, got when you get a chance, come up, come up on this way, man. We'll produce you, dude. dude no, nah, I just want to. I just want to be a fly on the wall. I'm not I'm coming in there. <laughs> You dude, I would you. love to. I would love to, man. Absolutely love to. Probably oh, next, my year. next year. Next okay. year when he's in when he's in uh, town, he likes to show off anyway. So then I'll invite you. <laughs> you know, that's how masters are. They want to show you that I really know what I'm doing. So hey, I would I would give him all the love and praise for it, man. He's is there any is there anything? Cause I, I I try to you know you you're one of the for the people who don't know man like you're one of the hardest I remember when we were at Parisi Speed School in New Jersey and you were about your business then you used to work so hard they would have to try to pull you back it's like hey Tumba you, you you don't have to work this hard man you, you you're good but it was just it, it pushed us all to get better man and yeah. uh, oh my God I'm I'm so happy you had a great career uh this, so this part of the show. I have this, what I call, I have random Q&A questions, right? Okay. All right. Uh, it's, I call it my pick six. My pick six is random six questions. <laughs> you got the herbs out here. You yeah, absolutely. growing right in the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's too cold in Kansas City for anything to live, man. <laughs> you got to grow it indoors. <laughs> so I feel you out there. So, so this, uh, so I have a pick. You know, as a defensive player, pick six is a game changing play, right? So I got a, a stream of questions. You know, I'm having fun with it. You know, it has nothing to do with anything, but a few of them do. Few of them do, but uh, I'm gonna have fun with it. So, question number one for Tomba in the the, the series of uh, pick six. What was your What was your first job you ever had? Do you remember? The or if you ever had one. employed the first one I ever had that I got employed, <laughs> I would say Pathmark. I work at you remember Pathmark? No, what is that? Pathmark was like a you remember ShopRite? I'm grew up in Florida. We had Publix and Dixie's. <laughs> we had completely different grocery chains. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I feel so, you know. I feel you. Yeah, that one of the grocery stores that was real close to our our house is uh, Pathmark. So I. Okay, okay. Were, were you a, uh, a bagger? Cashier. I was, you know, Cash, oh, shit. Oh, they trusted you. They didn't trust me. I was only the bagger. <laughs> all right, so question number two. Um, so I've asked this question to all the guests that I've had on the show, and there's one there's one, there's one, answer, that, there's, there's one answer that keeps coming up. So I'm going to ask you, uh, what's your favorite movie or sitcom ever? It could be anything. Movie Troy, my favorite. Okay, movie, Troy. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Good. That's the first Troy I've heard. The first Troy. So the recurring theme I've had, people have chose the sitcom. It's been Mark. Uh, I Mark know. Know. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, know. I know what our society was watching. I wasn't watching though. <laughs> right, right. 
All right, so question number three, you may have to think a little bit about it. And uh, so here it is. If you could choose one song to play every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what song would it be and why? I believe I can fly. Hey, that's the, that was spot on, bro. That was spot on. And we didn't talk about these questions beforehand. That was spot on, bro. That's amazing. That is amazing. That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right, so we got three more to go. Question number four. What's been the best? Because, you know, you, you've amassed this, you know, great wealth and and, and accolades and, and, and celebrity and all this good stuff. My question to you is, what's the best gift you've ever received from anyone? You ready? The best gift you can ever receive is a child from mm. God. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I got absolutely love it. I can agree with that. Out here. <laughs> <laughs> I have my first. I have a, a two-year-old. He'll be three in November. And Congrats, man, man! Yeah, he is a. We named him King. He well, is that's what he is, man. He is full of life, man. I love it. I love it. All right. So, question number five. Uh, because, you know, I travel a lot and I know, you you know, we talked about you, you know, you were going to um, Nigeria. You tra- I'm, you're well traveled. Mm-hmm. I'm a little crazy when I travel. I'll try anything. So my question to you is, have you ever eaten food you really didn't know what it was when you were traveling? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I've I actually I only asked this question just so I could give you what. My answer to it is <laughs> so before the pandemic, we uh we were in South Africa. Like we literally got back March 8th, the world shut down like a week later. But so we we had obviously we did the touristy things in South Africa, but more importantly, we I wanna I want to see a lion eating a zebra and all that good stuff. So we saw all of that. But there was one there was one day we had free. And so one of the guy, the trackers was like, Hey, where do you live? We wanted to go see his, where he lived, you know, see how he was living. Cause he was, you know, this guy's a tracker. He tracks wildlife. So we go to his village, he drives us and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's my wife and we were another couple and he was going to get lunch. And so it was like this, this, this grandma in a shack and it was smoke coming from everywhere. And, you know, he grabbed whatever he was going to grab to eat. And, you know, I, I had a, a beer in my hand. I'm feeling good. And, <laughs> you know, right. Uh oh. <laughs> so, so he gets lunch and he, I guess he told my, my wife and the couple we were with her what he had actually said it was. And they were turned on. I'm like, yeah, I'll try. I'll try it. When I travel, I try anything. Yeah. You know, and so I, I, he grabs it and it looks like a piece of meat. I'm not sure, but I put it in my mouth. And initially it was like, oh, okay, this is, it's not bad, but then, you know, uh, I couldn't be disrespectful and spit it of out. Of course, of course. So I had to like figure it out how to get it out of my mouth and outside. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up, long story short, I ended up getting sick as a dog at night. What man, did you eat? I don't know. I don't know what it they. It wasn't monkey meat. Me. Monkey meat is sweet. No, no, this meats. If you ever smell garbage juice. Have you ever been behind a garbage truck? I don't know how you ate that, bro. I would have been man. Like, like, I, I couldn't swallow that. it. I, I mean, I don't know what it was, bro. I, I, I still that. don't know to this day. But anyway, I that's my 
that was the reason why I asked the question because I had to tell that story. But last, lastly, uh, I'm a big chips guy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a freaking snack you know, guy like crazy. You know, you know what they're gonna do? They're gonna be like, Tumba eats monkey meat. <laughs> wait, wait, so is monkey meat good? You said it's sweet. I didn't is it good? I've had it. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that's next on my list when I when when the world opens up and we can travel. But my last question has nothing to do with anything because I'm a big chips and snacks guy. Do you have a favorite uh, bag of chips? Because I can tell you my favorite. My favorite is the Fritos flavor twist, the barbecue joints. Anytime I see them tumble, I I order. I'll I'll, I'll buy all ten of them. What's that? Frito? You say it's barbecue? Yes, Frito. The Frito twist. Oh my god! I got. Oh my goodness. It. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta join the party, man. Yeah. But uh, man, I, listen, man, is there anything that I didn't talk about that you want to talk about that I didn't ask? Any question that I didn't ask that you want to talk about before we get out of here? Yeah, man. How how are you doing, man? How, how thank you, man. Thank thank you, man. Whole time. Thank you. You know what? Uh, it's been a challenge. I'm not gonna lie, man. When I when I decided to leave the game in 2016, I was I, I got suspended. You know, I was for PEDs. It, I was taking something that was not on the ban list the, the, the year before and it was in, on the ban list the, during training camp. So I missed the last four games of the 2016 season. Oh. So 2017, 2016, they released me, the Colts. So I think I'm going to catch on someplace the next year and it didn't happen. So that year, you know, it, it was probably a two year period I had to adjust, man. And yeah. I'll tell you firsthand, like mentally, I was in a funk. I was I was in a funk, dude, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and it was hard, and that's why I say I want to start reaching out to guys because, lucky for me, I had a good mob of friends around me that yeah. keep me stimulated. Yeah. So I was out and about doing different things, and that kept me upbeat. But uh, you know, I struggled a little bit, man. But ultimately, you know, during the pandemic, you realize, you know, what's important to you. And it was my family. We had a great time. We figured it out. But I'm I'm doing well now, man. And it's good to see you, see the smile on your face, see that your family's doing well, that you're passionate about something, man. So I, I appreciate you asking, man. I really do. Yeah. But, uh, I, again, I, 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 I hate to cut you off, but at the end of the day, I, I realized I didn't speak about this. I, I went through a transformation uh, last year. Um, really? I went through some battles and, um, um, the, again, my faith, you mm-hmm. know, I, I have been seeking, seeking in the things that have been revealed to me on this side of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's again, it's surreal because if you start realizing what's really around us, it's mm-hmm. not everything. It's not everything we've heard. Um, <clears throat> the world we're living in, uh, I, I'm only saying this because Again, that's how I feel inside the world we live in. And sure. somebody might have lied to us. You know, maybe mm-hmm. this is what God uh, uh, can say is heaven here. You you have a choice right. to create your heaven here. You have, you know, to create a life here for yourself in, in whatever capacity it is. Right. And for some reason, we've been told, oh, you know, soon and very soon we're going to see the king. Maybe the king is here. And right. we can't right. see him because... If there's a visible world, there has to be an invisible world. So, mm. I, you know, I battled. Mm. Certain things happened to me throughout from the pandemic till now. I mean, it's pretty much kind of settled me in more 
of where I am because right you know we kind of get we get our money we kind of can do whatever we want and we we lose that the value system a little bit right and I believe there are angelic beings that it's out here that we can see that straighten us up like like big brothers and I think if we start paying attention closely uh to what's right in front of us uh we'll start to realize that um, <clears throat> that's the awakening. That's the mm-hmm. conscious that we need right now, instead of thinking what, what the future would be like. And I was right. talking to my wife, mm-hmm. I told my wife, I said, but what, what is the future? If you, you don't even pay attention to the presence, the present. you know, what's happening right now, if what you want to see is right now, mm-hmm. that would be your future. But if, if you don't see it now and you're in a whole different space, keep wondering, you know, wishing on something that you're not doing. How could right. that be the future? Right. So it, right. I know I'm all over the place, but no, no, that's great. That that was spot on, dude. It, what, did that help you with that transition? It sounds like you know. Yeah, it, I it almost died, you. man. I, I, what? I'm telling you, I almost died. I was sleeping in the room with my mom. My mom came. It was a spiritual battle. I mean, it's like I got haunted. I saw dragons. I saw I. I saw. I got up. My mom is looking. I said, "Mom, let's sing. Let's pray." Um, and mm. there's a dragon in the house. It's staring me right in the face. And I think I'm like, you know, maybe I'm, you know, dreaming or something. I look yeah. away and then yeah. I look again. I see these two eyes. They're just looking at me. And I say, yo, I just start like choking. Like, oh, wow. you know, just choking. And my yeah. mom lifted me and said, you know, your time is not now. She's a heavy believer. She took right. me into the other room. I just wanted to go straight to a light. Mm-hmm. I mean, I woke up from that thing, man, and God just kept opening my eyes and he showed me so much. <clears throat> so it, it puts me in a humbling state where I just don't want to do too much. I love singing right. and right. I do it because, again, it's a gift and I want to express it in a way that it makes the most sense, but not to bring yes. attention to myself. Right. Um, right. But yeah, it's real out here. It's really yeah, real. It, it's, a, it, it's it's real. I, and, it's, and the world is turning in a way that if there's an apocalypse, there's a lot of things that's about to be revealed to us, you know? Yeah, that that is, uh, I'm glad you touched on that, Tombo, because a, a lot of people look at us, you know, what we've done for a living, and they define us by it. And a lot of people don't know, we, guys like you and I, we fight like hell to obviously be successful in that world, but also try to, you know, separate ourselves from that. And yeah. all this, this, the, the stereotypes that comes with it. And for you to be vulnerable and talk about that here, I appreciate that. Because if, if, if it only helps one person realize, you know what? These guys, the way you look at it, these guys have problems as well as anyone else. We're no different than anyone else. And if we can, we can help uh, uh, alleviate some of that stress off of someone mentally, as you, you spoke about it, your faith is what got you out of the dark side. And yes. I think a lot of people could relate to that. And my wife is a huge uh, component of religion and her mother and her family. And I wasn't so much so growing, growing up, I was always in the church, but yeah. I never had anyone sit me down and actually go through it and, 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 and feel it and understand it. So I appreciate that, man. I know you have, you're, you're a busy guy. You have a ton of things you have going on. I appreciate your time, your perspective. Tom, but from this moment on, 
we're going to stay in touch, man. And I tell you, I want to come to Kansas City just to get in that studio and see those creative juices flowing and, and creating. And and I, if I could add to one one little thing, you know, to a song, man, that, that would be cool. But I know I wish we're thinking. But I, thank you for your time and your perspective, Tumble, man. I wish you nothing but the best, brother. So far, I appreciate it. Tony, I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you guys for having me on the pod. Uh, I see you guys. Athletes unplugged. Thank you. Thank you.